When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, this is the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Shorty, bringing you the best of my show on Times Radio. And today... We did the whole show from the Houses of Parliament. MPs returning to Westminster for the first time since the summer recess. Uh, lots of social distancing rules still in place, but a slight sense of sort of new term back to school, if you like. Um, so uh, what I thought to do today is actually just bring you a few of the best bits of the show. You can listen back to the whole thing on the Times Radio app if you want to. Uh, but I speak to uh, Lucy Fisher and Eleni Correa from the Times uh, lobby team. They'll cast an eye over how things look in the Tory party and the Labour party right now. Um, I also speak to a doorkeeper, Wayne, who is uh, one of the doorkeepers who basically keeps the Houses of Parliament running, and the falconer, more importantly, the Harris Hawk, uh, who is uh, deployed around the Houses of Parliament basically to scare off uh, the pigeons. Um, I was, so I'll be speaking to uh, the Harris Hawk. But not, I won't, not, not the Harris Hawk I won't be speaking to, but I spoke to uh, his handler anyway. Uh, but first... I kicked off the show in the House of Commons chamber. Yes, I'm in the Speaker's chair in the House of Commons chamber. The, the chair was actually a gift from Australia. Uh, in fact, quite a lot of the chamber is made up of gifts from around the world, uh, from the Commonwealth in particular. The big table in the middle of the chamber uh, was actually a gift uh, from Canada. And uh, listen to this. That is the sound of the dispatch box uh, where I'm standing right now. Tomorrow at midday, Boris Johnson will be standing where I am right now, facing his first Prime Minister's questions of the new parliamentary term. Uh, in about an hour, I'll be catching up with uh, some of the Times political team uh, to discuss uh, what issues and tricky questions Keir Starmer might be lobbing over at him uh, from the dispatch box opposite me, and perhaps more importantly, what tricky questions might be coming from the Tory benches uh, behind him. OK, so let's uh, continue uh, the tour of uh, the Commons. There's the cradle where the mace uh, would normally be. That's only, uh, that's only bought in when the Commons is actually sitting, which will be from 2.30 uh, today. Uh, now, I've been reporting on uh, Parliament for 15 years uh, this month. I used to sit in the gallery up there to my left, uh, for the Press Association, try to write down everything that everyone was saying and try to work out who everyone was, uh, quite often relying on the doorkeepers. These advice, they, they know absolutely everything that's going on in Westminster. I'll be speaking to uh, one of the doorkeepers uh, later on in the show. Uh, the first thing you notice, actually, when you come into the chamber, whether it's up in the gallery or even standing down here in the Commons Chamber itself, is how much smaller it looks uh, than it does on TV. That's the wide-angled cameras uh, and the camera angles that make it all look much smaller. And, of course, um, the green benches don't look like they normally do. Uh, it, all along the top of the benches, normally, it is where 
where uh, MPs can put in their prayer cart, uh, where they can come in each morning and reserve their space. Essentially, it's reserving their space for prayers, but actually it sort of bags their space uh, for the whole day. It's a bit like getting your towels on the sun lounges if you've dared to go on holiday uh, this summer. Uh, but instead of that, you've got um, uh, green ticks where MPs can sit, uh, but lots and lots of sort of red stop signs uh, to keep the two metres uh, distance. Uh, so uh, on the government front bench, there's about uh, there's only about three or four uh, places uh, where they can actually uh, sit as part of uh, coronavirus restrictions. There's also lots of uh, yellow and black tape on the floor, uh, circular, circular stickers saying, please wait here until the person in front has moved forward. That's as part of the voting uh, process uh, that uh, uh, MPs now have to go through, um, the famous uh, Mog Conga, uh, which has seen MPs um, spread through the whole of uh, the Commons uh, uh, parliamentary estate when they've been having to vote. And, then, of course, the numbers of MPs who can come in a are still limited, I think, to about 50. Common Speaker Lindsay Hoyle um, uh, is suspending sitting sometimes so the MPs can come in and out uh, when, they, uh, when they need to. Uh, and then walking down the chamber now, there's, uh, on the carpet, there's the, the, the usual red line, which is always there. Uh, that separates MPs. Now, some people will tell you that's where the phrase towing the line comes from. Uh, but I, that's not actually quite right. Uh, they, they, it's claimed that MPs uh, have to stand two sword lengths apart with only words uh, to settle their arguments. It's a great story, but like quite a lot of the th stories about Parliament, it's not quite true. MPs have never been allowed to bring their swords into the chamber. And in fact, out in the cloakroom, there are pink ribbons for MPs to hang up their swords. Uh, so then we get to the bar of the House. This is where MPs have to come in and acknowledge the chair, by, usually by nodding to the Speaker. Even the bar of the House is a gift that came from uh, Jamaica. And then out through the entrance doors, uh, the doors they came from uh, Pakistan. It was a real uh, global effort, uh, uh, this one. Matt Jolly on Times Radio, still in the House of Commons chamber, but joined now by Wayne Jenkins, one of the doorkeepers. Uh, now, Wayne, Explain, first of all, so people may well have seen the House of Commons chamber, they obviously see the MPs, uh, looking much smarter, I have to say, the doorkeepers in your, what well, is this sort of morning, no, this is sort of... It's called um, court dress. Court dress? Yeah. So it's very shiny black shoes, black suit, waistcoat, uh, pocket watch uh, chain, uh, white tie. Uh, so, uh, and people may well sometimes see doorkeepers stood at the back of the chamber or even moving around the chamber. Just explain to people listening what a doorkeeper does. Okay. As Matt's just said, I'm Wayne Jenkins. I'm the deputy principal doorkeeper. There are 37 senior doorkeepers at work around the House of Commons. And our main role is to let Parliament run uninterrupted. We work under the sergeant at arms. We've got a lot of responsibilities to set up the chamber ready for the day's business. We're also responsible for the two galleries, the public gallery and the special gallery. And we're responsible for the reception and conduct of visitors to the galleries. We're also the internal security working under the Sergeant-at-Arms and the Speaker to keep only members going when the House is sitting. So when the House is sitting, you're the, you're the sort of the last line of defence. If someone, in, a, in the past, there have been incidences when people have tried to get in the chamber and that sort of thing, it's basically your job to rugby tackle them to the ground. I don't want to say rugby tackle. <laughs> we, 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 are, we are the access people, if you like. You know, we, you know, we will explain everything and communicate and just keep it, it safe so business can run uninterrupted you're in the, the House of Commons. You're the nightclub bouncers of Parliament to make sure that everyone, <laughs> everyone behaves. And sometimes uh, you, 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 uh, people might have seen doorkeepers sort of handing notes to MPs and that sort of thing. What's going on when the House is sitting? Well, when the, when, when the members speak, all members on all sides of the House speak, their notes are recorded by Hansard, the official reporters. What our doorkeepers do is when the member is finished, we'll get something that comes down from upstairs on the lift and they'll hand them, can we have your notes please, this is for Hansard, because it has to get reproduced because it's under public examination. And sometimes MPs might use 
names or phrases that hands are exactly have a accents you know for local dialect which not everybody understands so the answer would like to well actually you know can you explain what that is because we've all got different ways of saying things in accents. And so the, uh, where I'm looking now, you can see the, the press gallery, that's where the Hansard sit. How does the note get from up there to you, down here? There's a lift at the back, a pulley lift. So we get them all, send them to the back of the chair, where I have nine doorkeepers who run all around the speakers. They will put it into the lift, it will go to Hansard. So it's amazing, this sort of old lift. It's been yes, yes, yes. Well, they used to, a lazy... Uh, 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 a lazy it? butler. No, uh, yeah, a dumb, dumb waiter. Dumb waiter. Dumb waiter. Yeah, there we are. You've been getting eventually. <laughs> and um, you have to... And I know from when I first started 15 years ago, sitting in the press gallery, trying to work out who everyone was, doorkeepers know who everyone is. How do you learn the names of MPs? Particularly, you know, we had a general election in December. I would, There's a lot of new MPs. Yes, after the general election, my job and the boss that we get hold of the books that are printed from the, from the printed office and get them out to our doorkeepers and it's our bible at night we sit there get to know them quickly test each other little various ways you do you pick on 10 a day or more but we're very very quickly we must know them because if we can help the members to do their job it's so much better especially after an, after a general election new members trying to find their feet disorientated and if you can have that rapport with them and build that confidence very important. How much harder has it been? Because obviously we only had the election in December, then you had the Christmas recess, and then quite quickly we were into yeah, coronavirus yeah. and all that. Has it been harder to get to know all the MPs this time? Yes, it has a little bit, yes, because a lot of them were working from home and doing, as you know, you know, the, on the television, the virtual, you know, so it is, has been difficult because you don't physically see them yeah. and talk to them, hand the notes over. So it has been difficult, but you just got to keep going. So we've still got the all the screens above yes. us uh, where the MPs are sort of phoning in from home doing the Zoom, Zoom parliament. Yeah. That's where they yeah. all appear. Yeah. And uh, just to what's the most interesting or weird part of your, your job, do you think? The interesting thing is, is I work in the most iconic building, I think, in the world. And I love me I'm a people person. I love meeting people and the different uh, people from all over the world, especially going in the galleries, and the constant buzz of parliament, the energy. That's what I love. Weird. It's weird every day, man, Matt, because the day is never the same. You just don't know what's going to happen, and you've got to keep things going and react. Obviously, there's loads of stuff. There's the black and yellow tape on the floor and the please wait here and all of that. What impact has the coronavirus and the, the social distancing? Because Parliament, you know, Parliament's a, you know, politics is a people business, people piling in everywhere. It'd be very difficult for people to sort of adjust to all that. What, what impact has it had on you in doing your job? It's been a tremendous impact. We had to do a, a lot of early helping out with the clerks and everything doing rehearsals, especially for voting in the division lobby. It's now a tap-tap. A lot of frustrations from members because they, they want everyone here. Obviously, they want to get on with it, but it has to be done safely. Impact on our staff, we've had to half them. We've had some safeguarding. Obviously, we've cut down the staff because of the locker rooms and the social distancing. Knock-on effect to member staff, the canteens and everything else. So it's been a quite a difficult time, but working together is tremendous behind-the-scenes work by um, colleagues in Parliament in other departments. And then, so what are you going to do between now and when the, the chamber opens? What, what, what's the, well, what's the process the of getting ready? Yeah, I'll be opening the chamber at 8 o'clock. My job then is to make sure all the doors are open access for members. I've got to get all of the order paper, look at the day's business, have a look at the whips, see if they know anything, get any inside information <laughs> Pick to pass on to my colleagues uh, yeah, so yeah, we yeah. can make it run smoothly. Um, going to look at all the committees that could be coming up and see how many members and staff are going to be here today because we're just back after the summer recess. So there's quite a lot of work to be done this morning behind the scenes. And the public galleries, are they open? At the Not moment? at the moment, no. People can what, still watch from... Watch from we have the galleries open for some of the members but yeah. it, because of social distancing and behind the glass as well, but it's, yeah. it's very much reduced at the moment. Well, it's absolutely fascinating. I know you've got a busy day ahead. Wayne Jenkins, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much indeed.
So that was uh, Wayne Jenkins, one of the doorkeepers, off to, uh, to get the House of Commons chamber ready. So let's leave the chamber now, going out through uh, the big uh, wooden doors, which obviously only MPs are normally allowed in uh, during uh, when the House is sitting. Outside, there's two enormous signs, I on one side, no on the other. It's all to direct MPs towards the, um, the new voting system that they have to go through uh, these days. Uh, and although uh, parts of Parliament date back, what was it, 900 years, Westminster Hall was built in 1097, uh, the Commons chamber is actually relatively new. It was rebuilt for in the bombing uh, in the Blitz. In fact, October the 26th this year will mark the 70th anniversary of the chamber being used uh, for the first time. Uh, we'll have to just wait and see uh, exactly how, how much of it is being used uh, at that point. Out through uh, the doors now into the uh, members' lobby uh, outside, where MPs, they have sort of cubby holes and information boards. There's a big uh, statue of Winston Churchill uh, standing outside uh, the door. Uh, one foot on Winston Churchill is very shiny. Um, in part, uh, that's because MPs used to rub it uh, for good luck when they were uh, um, uh, preparing to make a big speech. Uh, but also because uh, that was such a good story, uh, visitors were told the story, and uh, then quite often uh, they would rub it as well. Now there's a big sign-up saying not to touch the statues. Loads of other statues uh, around the place, so uh, Margaret Thatcher in one corner, there's Asquith there, uh, there's uh, Lloyd George towering over me, uh, but there are also lots and lots of uh, coronavirus restriction signs. Keep left, play your part and keep your colleagues uh, safe. Lots of pop-up signs, barriers, stickers on the floor, um, just reminding people all the time to keep two metres apart. So we go out another big set of doors towards uh, Central Lobby, um, uh, and this is where uh, members of Parliament, uh, members of the public even can come in and see their members of parliament. Uh, journalists actually can loiter in the members' uh, lobby. Uh, that, that's literally why they're called lobby journalists. Uh, we're, allowed to, uh, we're not allowed to actually approach MPs. Uh, we're just allowed to loiter and hope to catch uh, their eye. We're also not allowed to write anything down or sit down. Uh, lots of uh, rules about what you can and can't do in members' lobby. I'm now in uh, central lobby, uh, which is where um, sort of all corners of parliament uh, uh, meet. So I'm looking down towards the House of Commons at one end. Above the House of Commons, you've got so in this, what is it, eight, it's not octagonal uh, central lobby, uh, four big doors, uh, above each one, the patron saint of uh, each nation of the uh, United Kingdom. Uh, so you've got above the uh, Commons, you've got St David for Wales, above the uh, uh, door towards the House of Lords, you've got St George for England. I remember when I first uh, came to Parliament, people would uh, say, well, that's because uh, England likes to lord it over everyone. Above uh, uh, the... Uh, door towards the exit. You've got St. Patrick for Ireland, because Ireland were always on the way out. And uh, above the other door, the other direction, is St. Andrew for Scotland. Uh, and that is the door uh, towards uh, the bars. I'm not ma making any comment on that. I'm just passing on one of the stories that uh, I used to be told uh, when I first arrived in Parliament. So let me head, in fact, that's where I'm heading, not towards the bar, but I'm heading to where, uh, where the show is going to be based uh, for the whole morning uh, here in the Houses of Parliament, heading up towards uh, the committee corridor, where quite a lot of the action uh, can actually happen in Parliament. More, please do not, please keep moving. Do not wait in this area. More signs to uh, to navigate. So up the, uh, the the the. One of the famous staircases in Parliament, stone staircases lined by uh, statues and busts of uh, prime ministers and, and politicians of the past. Uh, but heading up towards Committee Corridor, which is where quite a lot of the action happens in Parliament uh, these days, select committee uh, hearings happening. Tony Abbott, the former Australian Prime Minister, uh, is giving evidence to the, I think it's the Foreign Affairs Select Committee uh, later today. It's also where, in normal times, when MPs are able to gather, you'd get the meeting of the Parliamentary Labour Party or the 1922 Committee 
community uh, of backbench Tory MPs and journalists loitering in the corridor outside, listening for anyone shouting or the banging of desks or uh, the cheering or, or whatever it might be. And then uh, this is going to be our base. This is where we are uh, for the uh, rest of uh, the morning uh, between now and one o'clock. Matt Chorley coming live from the Houses of Parliament. I mean, these are pretty grand surroundings. In fact, I'll, I'll tweet a picture of where we're uh, based. Uh, I don't think anyone on Times Radio has ever broadcast from anywhere quite so uh, impressive. If you like what you're hearing, you can listen to the whole of my Times Radio show. Either listen back on the Times Radio app or you can listen live Monday to Thursday, 10 till 1. We'll have more on the episode after this. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Matt Chorley on Times Radio, coming from the Houses of Parliament all morning this morning. And I've headed outside right now in um, uh, New Palace Yard, uh, just below. We should be in the shadow of Big Ben, but instead we're sort of in the shadow of a load of uh, scaffolding. And I'm joined by uh, Mark Bigwood, the in-house falconer. Is that the, what's your correct title? Uh, yeah, in-house falconer is very good. And uh, who are we joined by? We're joined today by House, uh, Denison. He is a Harris Hawk. Um, Harris Hawks are originally from America, but they're very good at working with humans, so they're um, very good at their job, so that's why we use them. And so just explain what your job is within the Houses of Parliament. My job is to uh, try and keep the buildings clear of pigeons and gulls. Um, we do that because he is a bird of prey, and pigeons and gulls are naturally afraid of birds of prey, so if we keep flying them around... The, we essentially overpopulate the area with a bird of prey and they think, God, there's a lot of birds of prey around here hunting so I'm going to shift away. So they don't nest and uh, Yeah, and all that the idea thing. is to stop them nesting, stop them roosting and it's the, the droppings really that are the biggest problem because they damage the stonework. And, stuff. and as we can see, so much scaffolding all around yeah. us, the stonework's not in the greatest shape anyway. Yeah, no, that's right. It's, um, it's obviously got a lot of stuff going on with it at the moment but... Uh, 
And so this is basically just a really cool version of people having like a rubber bird of prey on their house to try and keep birds away. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a lot more effective because there is nothing like a real deterrent. Yeah. I mean, the plastic ones they'll get used to, um, but they'll never get used to a bird of prey flying around. And so how, how often do you come down to Parliament and, and do this? We're here twice a week. Okay. And does he ever actually catch the seagulls? It's very rare. Um, it's really rare. I mean, the last time he's caught anything is probably last year now. The, the, our main focus is to uh, shift the pigeons away. Um, we're not really interested in catching them. It's not really our it's not, thing. That's not your, your thing? Not, it, it, it doesn't really help. If you kill them, if you cull them in some way, they just keep breeding and yeah. come back. So the best way is to scare them off so that they don't want to come in. And is it just denison that you use to do this? Uh, I've got a couple of birds I use. I use another one called Morgan. Um, they're both Harris Hawks. And we've got others that we use within the company. And where else do you do, you do this? If you're here a couple of times a week, where else do you go? Uh, we go to lots. Mostly uh, it's office buildings, hospitals. Um, we even do schools. Anywhere really where they've got pigeon problem, we can do. And... Um, What's he like as a bird? I mean, he seems quite happy. When you're walking down here, as you walked through uh, Parliament, he was, he was trying to sort of get away a bit. Yeah, well, he's just trying to bait. He knows the way it works is he flies around and then when he comes back to me, he gets a little bit of a tidbit. Ah. So what he wants to do is So it's, the, it's the coming back that he yeah. wants to do, it's yeah. not the flying so away. It's not the flying away, it's the coming <laughs> back. I mean, it's, it's very similar when we're actually working. It's very similar to walking a dog, only it's in 3D. <laughs> I put him up, he follows me around and the pigeons and the gulls can see him and from that they they get a sense that he's around so they'll keep away and does it work yeah it works really well, really. <laughs> well I mean, you would say that but I would say you're that. right of all the problems around parliament loads of like dirty seagulls and pigeons is not one of them when we started here um there was i think two or three flocks around the um palace and there aren't any now i mean you get the odd one or two but we're in central london so yeah it's difficult. I mean, given that sort of uh, Trafalgar Square yeah. full of pictures is just the other end of Whitehall, yeah. you'd think it'd be much worse. Um, can, I, can, you, can you show me how he does his work? So you need to yeah, I mean, it's, it's... He's clipped onto you. He's on your... You've got a sort of big leather glove on. I've got a gauntlet, which is a big leather glove. Um, I was holding his leather um, jessies. Uh, they're flying jessies. Um, Sorry, what's a jesse? Explain a jesse. Jesse is the... Um, oh, sort of tassels. It's, a, it's the sort of tassel that I use to hold him. Yeah. These are called flying jesses because they are specifically for flying. They have a tiny little hole in the end that I can catch on to. Um, it's a bit technical, but normal jesses have a big slit in them where they go through the swivel, and that can catch on things like branches uh, or okay. spikes. Now, you, do you want to go have a fly? Are you in the mood this morning? There he goes, flying up towards uh, Westminster Hall. So he's got, what's the bell for? Um, the people... bell is so I know where he is. Oh, OK. Um, it's, well, it's, it's mostly so I can know where he is. It also acts as an indicator to pigeons once they get to know that we're here. Oh, OK. They hear the bell. The bell's around. Um, and get so out of the way. Sometimes, if they've got a particular problem, someone can come out with a bell, ring the bell. So what have you got there? A bit of meat? Chicken. A bit of a bit chicken. chicken. Right, here we go. He's looking the wrong way now. Yeah. <laughs> There's also... Some... Never work with children. Oh, here, oh no, here he comes. Oh, that's amazing. That's, uh, that's quite a wingspan when he comes, yeah. comes down. It's about four feet. Is it? Yeah. It's, a, it's a big old thing. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of him. No, 
Um, his beak, to be honest, is not the problem. It's his talons. They do look quite sharp. Well. They I'm glad, are you, very I'm sharp. glad you've got. There he goes again. I'm glad you've got that uh, that big glove on. Yeah. So how long have you been doing this for? Uh, 15, 20 years. Oh wow. Oh, it, 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 within yeah. Parliament. Yeah, within yeah. Parliament, yeah. Well, it's amazing. It's so. Oh, hang on a minute. There's a pigeon out there. There is a pigeon. He's coming to watch. <laughs> what they do is they come and they'll come in above him, okay. and they'll watch him because they want to know where he is. That's really interesting. Because once they see he's about, that they're re what they're really afraid of. Here he comes again. Can, Whoa! If they can hear him <laughs> and they can't see him, and yeah. then they're worried. So yeah, the pigeon is sitting really quite high up on the top of Westminster Hall, the oldest bit of uh, Parliament. Uh, well, uh, Denison is uh, just uh, enjoying another bit of chicken. Uh, well, it's absolutely fascinating. Really, really good. One of the strange colleagues on the parliamentary estate that um, uh, I've often seen from a distance is really good to catch. That's uh, Mark Bigwood, the in-house falconer uh, here in the House of Parliament, speaking to me on Times Radio. Now uh, we can retreat more to the more, far more uh, civil discussions of uh, talking to two of the Times uh, political team. Lucy Fisher, Defence Editor. Morning. Good morning. Uh, nice, to see, nice to see you in person as well, rather than just doing all this down the phone, uh, uh, down the phone line as well. And uh, Eleni Korea, uh, political reporter. Morning. Morning. Where to start? I mean, they were both, both Tobias and Wes were trying to sort of uh, put the you know, best uh, face on it. I mean, Tobias has been quite critical of the government in lots of ways, but you described the, the mood amongst Tory MPs as mixed. Eleni, I know you've been speaking to uh, lots of them uh, over the past couple of days. Uh, better quotes off the record, but what, how would you judge the mood amongst Tory MPs? <laughs> Mixed is slightly optimistic, I'd say. At least the ones I've spoken to are uh, quite unhappy at the moment, actually. I think it's kind of a function of the fact that they've been away for weeks, there's been no real face-to-face -face, uh, communication with the government, and they have lots of things that they're very concerned about at the moment, and that Downing Street is doing very little to assuage their concerns about. So um, I texted one this morning, actually, and asked, you know, what, what's kind of exercising you at the moment? And he replied two words, tax rises. Yeah, that does seem... In fact, the most extraordinary thing is we just had Wes Streeter from the Labour Party saying now's not the time to, ri to raise taxes. So there yes. seems to be sort of um, some unity on that. What are you picking up on the mood, Lucy? Well, for me, I think the interesting thing is that um, Downing Street seemed to have done something for everyone. Um, the old guard, um, very concerned about planning, those in the sort of um, shires uh, seats... Uh, very, very uh, concerned about that going forward. And I think we're going to see a lot more in coming days um, on that issue. And then the red wall seats. Um, very interestingly for me, um, covering defence and, and the integrated review that's focusing on that, there seems to be a lot of upset over um, whispers that, you know, the army could be cut, certain capabilities could be cut. These are sort of seats in which, you know, traditionally the army has recruited heavily from. The old regiments are based there. So uh, geographically, the sort of different cohorts, there seems to be unhappiness about different issues among virtually all Tory backbenchers. <laughs> <laughs> On the defence review, which is also your, your beat, in normal times, which these are clearly are not, but in normal times, this would be a huge sort of looming political... Uh, issue, wouldn't it? Well, that's right. I mean, this is, you know, very big picture stuff, you know, looking at Britain's place in the world, you know, it's setting a sort of, you know, not just in the next two years sort of strategy, but at least the next decade and possibly beyond. We've got to grapple with the growing kind of reality of, a, you know, China, not only an economic superpower, but increasingly assertive in its foreign policy. And there's just no real attention being focused on that. Obviously, COVID is the number one distraction and all the kind of fallout from that, from the economy to education, means that there's really very little attention being focused on that. But it could catch up with us sooner rather than later. 
let's talk about um, Simon Case. It's just been announced that he is confirmed as the new Cabinet Secretary, aged 41, the youngest for 100 years or something, the only the second uh, youngest ever. Um, lots of people will be saying, why do I, what? The Cabinet Secretary, why should I care about this? What does this mean, Elaine, for, for the the you know, for the government and the way the country's run? Well, the Cabinet Secretary is head of the civil service for a very important role. And in this particular case, it's even more important because Simon Case is going to be tasked with various reforms that the government wants to make in Whitehall. So Dominic Cummings said in June that a hard rain will fall on Whitehall because he intends to bring in lots of reforms to make it more efficient. Basically, the government is concerned about how things are working because um, in the midst of the pandemic, they found that the civil service just wasn't prepared in the way that they wanted it to be for that response. So the, the, the plan now is to kind of centralise power, made it, make a kind of more elite core. And that is something that Simon Case is going to be in charge of. It's going to be quite difficult for him to, to kind of earn the trust of permanent secretaries, who are, a lot of whom are quite suspicious of that agenda, and also keep the trust of number 10. And anyone who's seen Yes Minister or Yes Prime Minister knows the sort of the, the permanent secretaries are the ones who are members of the posher private clubs and all you know they've been around uh whitehall for much longer and they know they know how these things work uh, the other thing that's happening today um lucy is dominic cummings moving into his new nasa style mission control center which sounds an awful lot like just an open plan office <laughs> yes well it's been rather overhyped hasn't it the um the nerve center of the of the new kind of increasingly centralized operation that will sort of lead this marauding reform program um yeah interested to see reports earlier this morning that it is just a, a whitewashed uh, strip lit open office um <laughs> obviously social distancing means that um very groovy looking circular desks have probably had to be uh, uh disbanded discarded as an idea to get sort of individual desks two meters apart Obviously, a lot of fear and loathing in, in sort of advisors' circles anyway about, you know, Dominic Cummings staying on his right side. And now I think the, the, the new um, power metric in town is how close you are to his central seat in this new NASA-style control room. It's interesting that although Dominic Cummings is moving into this uh, building on Whitehall, Boris Johnson is very much staying in Downing Street, having spent years trying to get there. He's not being moved out of number 10. Yeah, I think that that's sort of a natural, you know, sort of... It, it, by all accounts, it, the pictures I've ever seen and descriptions, it's a very kind of cosy, den-like atmosphere there. Um, I think it's sort of, uh, he wouldn't necessarily want to be moved out of uh, <laughs> out of Downing Street. But it does make sense to perhaps to modernise and have a kind of bigger, more, uh, bigger space from which to kind of control the machine. Because that's what this is. It is a centralisation project, first and foremost. Yeah, and the idea is that you've got Dominic Cummings sitting in the middle of the room and then various spokes coming off the economy and schools and whatever. Uh, and then there are going to be screens with sort of live information, uh, uh, live data, because he loves data, Dominic, because live data coming in. Uh, but it's, it's all going so well, they haven't even managed to put the screens up yet. So um, never mind, you know, reforming Whitehall or overhauling public services, getting a teleport on the wall seems to be slightly beyond them. Uh, we should talk about the Labour Party as well. What's the mood, what, what's the mood in the Labour Party like? I think the mood in the Labour, among Labour MPs at least, you know, there's still quite a lot of relief that they have a leader that they like. I mean, you know, the, the Parliamentary Labour Party the vast majority of them really, really disliked Jeremy Corbyn. So having Keir Starmer, they're still very happy about that honeymoon period. You know, they just love how effective he is compared to Jeremy Corbyn in many ways. Um, but this is going to be quite a difficult month for the party because we are expecting the publication of the report uh, that came from the EHRC's investigation into anti-Semitism in the party. Um, this is the one looking into whether or not the Labour Party was institutionally racist, essentially. Yes, exactly. Um, now, that report was sent to the Labour Party in July, 
and they confirm that they received it. And now there's been a process in which the people named in it get to raise any concerns or ask for any corrections with the HRC. So we're just waiting for that process to conclude and it's going to be out this month. And that's going to bring the issue of anti-Semitism back in a very big way because Keir Starmer is going to have to do things. Keir Starmer's response to that is going to be pretty crucial. I was, I was struck that uh, even where streeting um, Labour MP spoke to earlier, even he acknowledged, uh, Lucy, that sometimes he could understand the frustration of Labour Party members that the Labour Party hadn't been sticking the boot in quite so much to the to the government. The, the, Keir Starmer seems to be picking his moments. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the, the tactic that we saw, um, it, you know, weekly at Prime Minister's questions before the summer recess was very much one of asking questions, demanding um, data, trying to flesh out um, the timeline on certain decision making. Obviously, that's all with a view to um, a big public inquiry on the COVID response happening before the next general election. I think it's a difficult um, line for Keir Starmer to toe. On the one hand, um, he needs to set um, set the tone for his leadership. He needs to tell the public what he's about. He needs to really try and impress his personality a bit more, particularly when he's up against a leader as charismatic as Boris Johnson. On the other hand, we are a long way off from the next election, and I think that um, Labour is wise not to be backed into any corners policy-wise at this juncture um, for two reasons. One is that they would seem, you know, stale by the time we got to the next election uh, if he if he was if he was agreeing and sort of pinning himself down in areas so far. And secondly, the good ones, the Conservatives would probably nick, and um, that's what we've seen so far. You know, a lot of Ed Miliband's uh, last manifesto um, stolen. So. He, he's got a difficult kind of um, role here. Yeah, 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 absolutely right. Given that we are sitting in the House of Parliament, we should talk about this as a building and as a workplace. Elena, you've been writing this week about unconscious bias training, which MPs have been having to undergo. Yes, it's just starting to be piloted now. So they're, they're piloting this training for MPs. It's basically um, to make sure that they you know, they don't show bias against people from ethnic minorities. And it, it, there's also training on how to be anti-racist. Uh, and that's about to be introduced because there's been, there are, there are concerns among ethnic minority staff in Parliament about Parliament not doing enough to make it a, 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 an equal place to work. And one of the concerns is uh, the lack of BAME senior figures in Parliament's management. Um, and there's also been various uh, high profile exits of uh, senior black staff in the last year or two, uh, particularly from the unit that looks after the estate. So there's various concerns that are bubbling under the surface and the Commons is trying to find ways to make sure that things are better. Yeah, Boris Johnson also has been taking part in tra a training session for MPs on sexual harassment and bullying, describing it as most informative. Uh, Tory MPs were uh, quite surprised to see the PM pop up on a, on a video conferencing call last week. Uh, d d you know, these changes all introduced uh, as a result of the so-called Pestminster scandal. Uh, really good speech to you both, Elena Greer and uh, Lucy Fisher, both from uh, the Times lobby team. That's all we've got time for on this episode of the Red Box podcast. Uh, you can now listen back to my whole show on the Times Radio app, where you can also now listen to all of the Times podcasts, including Red Box 2. Make sure you subscribe and review the Red Box podcast wherever you listen. But for now, from me, Matt Chorley, it's goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping 
and 365-day returns.